This is a shear on Likutisiches Chelek Tes Zayin Book Sixteen of Likutisiches, the Sicha of Parshas Kitisa, the fourth Sicha. The Pasuk. So first, I'd like to just you know go ahead, go back <clears throat> and read some of the Pesukim. Now, I'd like to point out that the most fantastic resource for understanding this Sicha. Going back and forth, I think is the Kahas Chumash. Kahas Chumash uh, interweaves the incredible Chiddush that the Rebbe says in the Sicha, the great, and, and weaves it into the translation. Okay, but in order to give us a little bit of background, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to, rather than start right away paraphrasing the Sicha, I'm going to go just to the Psukit. So, of course, we know that uh, Moshe was on the mountain, and then we had the, uh, the eagle. So Hashem tells him, Hashem said to Moshe, go down from the mountain because your people, Shiches Amcha, your people, Asher Heleisam Etzayim, that you brought up from Egypt, Shiches, they've corrupted. Okay? So he's telling Moshe, go down because your people, he's calling them your people. Then Moshe Rabbeinu Davins and he gets Hashem to acquiesce, to forgive. And it says that <clears throat> Hashem says, okay, I will uh, accept. Moshe said, if you don't forgive them, erase me from the book. And Hashem said, okay, I will accept. Whoever, whoever, um, whoever sinned will be erased from the book. However, and I'm not going to uh, destroy them right away. And uh, I've listened to you. And then he tells them, now you go... Now you go, lead the people. It doesn't say your people. You go and lead the people to the land which I've promised. My angel will go before you. Okay. So now he said, basically, this is confirmation from Hashem, to Moshe, go and lead the people. So, the the, 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 the decree that Hashem wanted to destroy the people is over. Then it says that Hashem smote the people who had done the eagle. And then there's a new passage where Hashem says to Moshe, what seems to be a repetition of what we just said two psukim ago, go lead the people, but here it says it differently. He says, go up from this, you and the people which you took out of Egypt. And so here Rashi points out, it says, Lech Alei, go up. Remember when, when he was on the mountain and they sinned, Hashem told him, go down. Here Hashem says, go up. So he, he rectifies that. And also, here he doesn't say your people, he says you and the people, which Rashi says that this means, uh, it doesn't say your people. In other words, seems to be walking back on that um, kind of derogatory uh, statement that Hashem had said to Moshe Rabbeinu, <laughs> your people that you insisted on bringing up, they, they messed up. And here he's just calling them the people. Okay. So, based on this Rashi, where Rashi says that this Lech Alei, go up, is counterbalancing what he had previously said, go down, when the Jews are doing the eagle, says that Eben Nesicha, Pashtus, this is coming to fix, right? Go up is coming to fix what, he, what Hashem had told him at the time of anger, go down. And then also it says, doesn't say your people, it says the people, this fixes, this rectifies, <coughs> what previously Hashem had told Moshe, they're your people, now he's saying the people. In other words, I'm not blaming you anymore. The people are okay. 
So now the Rebbe asks, we have to understand Mela in the previous puzzle, when we're talking about the Erev Rav, the milk, the Erev Rav literally means the mixed multitudes. These are the peoples that were not, don't have the pedigree of, become, of being the children, descendants of Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. And they clamored uh, to join the, the Bnei Yisrael when they left. And Moshe Rabbeinu made the decision to take them out, saying that, that they, would, uh, they were truly interested in, in joining the Jewish people. They would be righteous, they would be proper converts. But as we'll see, they're being held a little bit uh, separately. So when it says, um, when we're talking about the aid of Rav Hashem, says go down because your people have sinned. So we understand why Rashi is able to derive. It says your people, it means the aid of Rav. However, afterwards in our Pasuk, when it's speaking about going to Yisrael, it says go up to the land I've, I've sworn. So it, there it seems to be talking about all Jews. So why would I, why would I think it should say your people? In other words, Rashi here is saying it doesn't say your people. It says the people that tells us that this is repairing what Hashem had previously said your people. But previously saying your people was specifically talking about a particular group of people, the Eid of Here we're talking about Am Yisrael. So why should it have said Amcha? The fact that it doesn't say your people doesn't tell us anything. On the other hand, if there is some kind of a svar, there is some kind of a reasoning to think that all the Yidin should be called Amcha, your people, and there was some reason that it should have been said your people there, and it didn't say it, and that's why he's able to derive some kind of a, a, a learning, a teaching. You see, it doesn't say your people. So, just two psukim earlier, as we quoted, where Hashem says, go to Moshe, go and lead the people, it doesn't say your people. So why doesn't Rashi explain there why it doesn't say your people? Why does he make a, an issue over it here two psukim later where Hashem repeats, seem, seeming, seemingly repeats, that everything's okay now, and he says, Moshe, go up from here, and you and the people. Why does he ask here? Why doesn't it say your people? Why didn't he ask it to come earlier? Based, the explanation is. Rashi wants to explain over here another item that's not understandable. All is good when you talk about the Pasuk. The Pasuk, i say, go up about Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, we understand why, Moshe, why Hashem tells him go up. Because before Hashem said, go down. In other words, I, I made you great because of the people. The people, if the people are sinning, that's it. You get demoted. So now Hashem tells him, I'm forgiving the people, so now you go up. But told, with regards to all the Jews, the Am, the people, since already, Tupsukim earlier, as we quoted, Hashem has told Moshe, tell the people, go and lead the people. And he doesn't call them your people, he calls them the people, to the place where I've told you to go to Israel. So why now is Tupsukim later, does Hashem add another instruction, go up from here to the land? I mean, he just said it. Why, did, why, why does he give a, a, a new statement here? He just said, you go to the people and lead them. What is really being added here by saying, go up, and calling him the Am? So that's how Rashi learns that the two psukim are two separate things. Ah, this is, this is incredible. When Hashem said, okay, I've listened to you, Moshe Rabbeinu, go and lead the people to the land. That's talking about the people children of Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, the descendants, the full-blooded Jews, that went out of Egypt. And afterwards, after it says that Hashem smote those that had sinned, remember, because Hashem said, I'm going to give a small punishment, but I will accept your 
prayers that I won't do a total punishment. I won't totally wipe out the Jewish people. So I'll, yes, some will die. There'll be a, a, a partial punishment. So the people that did the actual eagle, they died in a, in a magaif and a plague. And now, after this, now there's another instruction to Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem tells Moshe, go up from here, you and the people. This is only talking about the eight of Rab, the ones that Moshe brought out. And for they, they're going to they're gonna be treated with separately. Even when Hashem said, okay, tell the people you're going to take them to Israel, now when it comes to these people, it's a separate, it's a separate statement. Go up. Go up with the people. Which people are you talking about? The eight of Rav. Ah. Now here, if we're talking about the eight of Rav, it should have said Amcha, right? Now Rashi saying it doesn't say Amcha, Amcha means your people. The eight of Rav are your people, are Meshach people, as, as previously Hashem has called them that. Now he's not calling them that, oh, that's showing that they're also somehow elevated. Now the Rebbe points out in, in footnote 7, if you read the Pasuk itself, actually it's a little bit, you have to find a little bit of explanation. It says, because Hashem says, go up, you and the people, and if we're talking about the mixed multitudes, then what does it mean that the Pasuk continues to the land which I've promised your forefathers, Avram Yitzhak Yaakov? But the Rebbe says it's a small question. Okay. But uh, here in the square brackets, the Rebbe says, according to this we'll understand why it says, Pasuk says, go up, where the Pasuk is speaking to me, saying this, the, the second Pasuk, right? Not go and lead the people, but go up and take the people, and it says, the people which you have brought out from Egypt. The Pasuk there emphasizes, Asher HaElesa, which you have brought out from Egypt. In other words, it's Moshe who has brought them out of Egypt. It's the same expression where earlier when they sinned, Hashem had told them, go down, because your people which you took up out of Egypt have sinned. In other words, the people that you took on yourself, the eight of them. And here, when Hashem says, go up from here, you and the people, He uses the same description for them, the people that you took up from Egypt. So it makes perfect sense here, therefore, what the Rebbe is saying is that the Pasuk, again, read the Kahos Chumash, you'll see it there very clearly. The Pasuk that, okay, the, the first Pasuk is clear. Go down, because your people have messed up. That's going on the eight of Rav. And then when Hashem accepts forgiveness, He says, go and lead the people. That's the regular Eden. And then, Fupsukim Lady says, go up, you and the people that you accepted. It's again talking about the Eid of Rav. So we're going to learn why does there need to be a separate instruction about the Eid of Rav. Gimel, the difference between the two kinds of Jews in terms of those that worshipped the idol in actuality, says in Pasuk, Rashi already explained that there's three levels of punishment, three degrees of punishment that take place to the violators of the eagle. This is how it works. If there were witnesses and the person was warned, then the killing takes place by sword. In other words, it's death, death by sword. That's what the children of Levi, they, they girded their swords and they killed those that had been warned and did it with witnesses. Somebody had witnesses that they had sinned, but they hadn't been warned. They died in a magaif and a plague from Hashem. If they hadn't any witnesses and they hadn't been warned, so then they died through the, um, the water. Remember the water that the, the, the eagle was mixed up into it, was crushed up into dust and mixed in the water, and then they drank it. And if somebody had been guilty of participating in the idol, even only in their heart, they, um, their stomach would explode. 
like the way we, we test, we'll see later, it's considered to be the same way we test a Saita. So now when we talk about these three kinds of death, the way the Pasuk talks about them, we find a difference that shouts out at us. When we talk about the death by the sword, it says that that there fell from the, the people, 3,000 people. Also by the Magefa, by the pandemic, by the um, plague, it says, Hashem smote es ha'am, the people. However, when it speaks about the water, that they drank the water, for those that didn't have witnesses, they weren't warned. It was something more internal. And nobody could know really the extent of their sin. It says that Hashem gave the B'nai Yisrael, Vayashk es B'nai Yisrael, Hashem gave the B'nai Yisrael to drink. Wow. That means that only the pedigreed B'nai Yisrael were given to drink. As the Rebbe points out here, the difference between Am and B'nai Yisrael is simply Am includes the entire nation. Also the Gerim, also the, those that had joined the Bnei Yisrael. When you say Bnei Yisrael, though, in contrast to Am, I mean, when you say Bnei Yisrael, that points out in the footnote, when you say Bnei Yisrael in the whole Torah, it talks to everybody, also Gerim. But when there's, in the same story, it says Am, or Bnei Yisrael, so obviously there's a distinction. Why isn't it using the same descriptive uh, word for Bnei Yisrael? So obviously there's a difference. Am means everybody in the, in the nation. It's a national thing. Whoever joined the Bnei Yisrael as well. Bnei Yisrael means those who are the children of Israel. In other words, have the, their literal descendants of Avraham Yitzhak Yaakov. Yeah. As we find that when we describe the Exodus itself, it says, Vayisu Bnei Yisrael, the Bnei Yisrael travel, 600,000 people, and it says, and also on top of the Bnei Yisrael were eight of Rab with a mixed uh, many that went up with them. So we see that the eight of Rab are not called... Um, they don't get into that number of 600,000. When we say B'nai Yisrael as opposed to Am, it means those B'nai Yisrael who are descendants um, from, from uh, Avraham Yitzvah Yaakov. And as we see, says Rabbi Nahara, that when we count, we count the, the tribes, obviously that doesn't include Eid of Rabbi, and we get to 600,000. So the, now there's a Pesach is saying that 600, the B'nai Yisrael went out, 600,000, plus Eid of Rabbi. So in other words, when we say Am and Bnei Yisrael, Am can be the whole nation, but Bnei Yisrael literally means the descendants of Armonitz V'yakim. According to this, comes out a big Chiddush. Once you hear this from the Rebbe, it literally jumps out at you. The Pesach says, Vayashkes Bnei Yisrael, that Meish Rabbeinu gave to drink the Bnei Yisrael. And this is clear that the Erev Rav, those mixed additions, didn't get to drink from that drink. Oh, so what do we have to say? that though there were Erev Rab people that served the idol, but they didn't have any witnesses and they didn't have any warning, because otherwise they would have been killed by sword or killed by the Magefa. It means they, they stayed alive. And the... And when Hashem said, I'm going to wipe them out, and then Hashem said, no, but I'm not going to do it all together, but gradually, when different things come up, I will also mix in and take into account the eagle and then mete out my punishment. But that's just like the Bnei Yisrael. Because also for the Erev Rav, Moshe Rabbeinu had prayed. So it comes out that Moshe Rabbeinu damned. And then there were three ways of, 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 of Bnei Yisrael being punished. But the third way, for those that had sinned, but hadn't had, had warning and hadn't had any witnesses, Regular Bnei Yisrael had to drink, and if they were guilty, they died. The Eid of Rav weren't put 
through that test. So it's will be very difficult to say, well, there were just no eight of Rav that didn't that 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 fit that description. Right? You could say the eight of Rav either sinned or didn't sin. And if they sinned, they sinned blatantly with witnesses. There were none that sinned without witnesses or without warning. Rebbe says that's a doichik. That's very difficult to say. There couldn't have been any eight of Rav that definitely there were some that had sinned and we didn't know about it. It wasn't with witnesses, it wasn't with, with, with the warning. And just to point out, says the Rebbe, from the simple reading of Rashi, where he says the eight of Rav, they were the ones that shochasu, they themselves corrupted became corrupted, and they corrupted the others, it seems to be that all the Erev Rav were part of the sin, on some level. Now we, if they all would have been blatantly sinners, then they all would have died during the thing, right? But we find later on, in Baha'u'llah and so on, we find later on that there were Erev Rav, even after this time. So how could there have been Erev Rav? We said anybody who sinned was killed, because there was one loophole here. If somebody had sinned without witnesses, without warning, he was put through the test of drinking the water, but only if he was B'nai Yisrael. So it comes out, it's, it doesn't it sound bizarre, it comes out that the eight of Rav were treated with kid gloves, and, and where regular B'nai Yisrael had to drink this, 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 this potion, and if they were guilty of having inwardly being happy with the eagle, they would die. The eight of Rav didn't get put through that higher, higher test. And Rebbe says later in Ha'ara, well, we find this elsewhere in the Navi. Just help me. Uh, um, it's, not, it's not right here. Somewhere, Sikh Rebbe says, we find that uh, Hashem pays more attention to those he loves more. So being stricter is a sign of love. But we're gonna, let, let's discuss that a little more when we get to it. So what we're left with here now is that that third level of testing and of, of, of punishing wasn't available for, it didn't happen to the Eid of Rav. As the Rebbe, not Ha'ara, for Dalit, the next Eid, why Take? Didn't Moshe Rabbeinu give, uh, didn't Hashem tell, tell Moshe Rabbeinu to give them to drink, that drink? So Rashi had already explained when he says the Pirish on Vayashkas when they saw that Moshe Rabbeinu gave to drink the Bnei Yisrael. He explained that Moshe Rabbeinu's intention was to check him out like Saitis. What's a Saita? Saita is a woman who suspected possibly of infidelity, of immorality. You can't say the concept of Saitis about, about Erev Why? So here's what Rashi says later when Hashem says, Salacha, you Moshe Rabbeinu, go get the rocks for this set of luchas. I provided the, the actual rocks for the first set, now for the second set, you get them. Why? Because you were the one that broke them. And Rashi gives her the example of somebody who, king that goes away, and he has his betrothed one, his arusa, the, 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 the woman who's betrothed him, and she's hanging out with her, with some of the, some of the maidservants in the palace, and the maidservants did something that wasn't so becoming, and the rumor went out that the princess, that the one who was betrothed to the king also was part of that, and now he comes back, and... The friend, the shushbin, the friend of the uh, the one who was facilitating the marriage, rips up the ksuba because she says, if if the king gets upset and says, "Hey, why was my betrothed one, uh, you know, doing something inappropriate?" he'll say, "There's no contract. What do you mean? She's not betrothed to you." This way, he'll save her life. And then when he finds out that really it was just rumors, really it wasn't his betrothed one that was doing anything; it was just the maidservants. 
So then he'll take her back. But then he then he says, you bring the paper. You tore up the document. You bring the paper. So Meish Rabbeinu tore up the, 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 the luchas to protect him in Israel. But who are the players in this parable? Hashem is the king. The maidservants who act inappropriately are the aid of love. Uh, who is the one who's the, the, the facilitator? Meishu Rabbeinu. And who is the betrothed one? This is the Jewish people. So what are we saying? Really, the, 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 um, the Cheta Egel, the sin of the Egel, is like the betrothed one having a rumor about her that she did something wrong. And so therefore, um, one of the ways to check and to ascertain that she didn't do anything wrong is to check her like a Seita, right? And then once that becomes clear, then you're clear. But who's the Arusa? The Erev Rav are the troublemakers. They're the Shvachis. They're, they're, they, they really are troublemakers. You're trying to prove that the Arusa, the betrothed one of Hashem, is not a troublemaker. So you've got to ascertain. You, only, you can only put through that test the ones who are, the ones who are truly the Arusa. Right, the one who's truly the betrothal that's Vinay Yisrael so that's why they don't get that higher level test hey according to this we'll understand what the Pasuk is saying go up from here you and the people why this is an addition to what it said earlier you go and lead the people go and lead the people speaking about those Yidin that didn't serve the eagle remember because the ones who served the idol the, the golden calf from the regular Bnei Yisrael, if they really did it, there was one of three deaths that got them. So what was the sin? If there was, the whole Bnei Yisrael were caught up in the sin. But what was their sin? It was that they didn't, the sin of omission. They didn't, they didn't protest. They allowed this to happen. And Rashi, the Rebbe quotes in Ha'ara 19, that what Rashi says that all the Israel were apostates, were Mishumadim, they, they denied God, obviously you can't say that it means literally, because the Shevet Levi was okay, so when Rashi is saying the entire Bnei Yisrael became apostates, obviously it doesn't mean the entire Bnei Yisrael, because it's Bnei Levi, it also doesn't need to mean that they were literally Mishumadim. In other words, they were all guilty of complicity in the Egel. But you had three kinds that actually were complicit, they were actually... Uh, they're actually active in the sin, at least in their heart. And those three, there were three kinds of death. And then you had those that weren't part of the actual sin, but they hadn't stopped it. So they are part of the sinful behavior that took place. But to, about them, Hashem said to Moshe, go and take the people, to, go and lead the people to Israel. However, when it says go up, the, here the Hashem telling Moshe a new thing. Even those eight of Rav, which really should be called your people, and which are still, they actually, they are sinful. They're just alive because there was no witnesses and no warning. But we didn't check them out with the water. If they would have gone through the water check, they would have died. So even those people, Shem is telling Moshe, go up from this situation. They're going to go up with you. You're going to take them up. The people. How do we know Hashem is talking about taking even the aid of Rav up? Because it doesn't say, Amcha, your people means they did tshuva. And now you can't call them your people, Meshavir. Now they're, they have the regular name, the people. This is very powerful. The Rebbe is telling us, the Rebbe is telling us here an incredible thing. The Erevrav somehow were brought into the fold here in a more significant way after the Egel Dafka, well, after they had sinned. 
How does that make sense? So we're going to get to that. Well, so with this we'll also understand why in this Pasuk Dafka it says, not just go lead the people like it's in the previous Pasuk. It says go up, go and go up from here, you and the people. What do you mean go up from here? What does that mean? But the point being that it says go up from here, in other words, away, go up from here, from this point of the Egel, uh, either from Moshe who lost his greatness, was demoted because I gave you greatness as a Shem because of the people. And the people went down, you go down. So now Moshe go up from here because I'm elevating the people as well. The Erev Rav also going to be elevated. About when he spoke to the regular Bnei Yisrael, to Moshe about the regular Bnei Yisrael, he said, go and lead the people. That was talking, they, those people didn't need to go up from the Egel because those are talking about people that Taka didn't serve the Egel. If they would have served the Egel, even without, even without witnesses and without warning, they had to drink that water. They, they're not part of the people that Moshe is going to lead. So now Zion says, that was safe, safe. I know you've been waiting for this, right? Safe, safe. At the end of all things, okay, it's an incredible Kiddush, which, is, which comes out from the simple reading of the Pasuk. But it's not, it's, it's not smooth. It's not galactic. How far, how, how can it be that Tafka, these Erev were lower level, and they were the main sinful people? It says that they were corrupt and they made the others corrupt. Hey, how is it that they didn't all get put to death. And B, not just it doesn't say that, that, okay, they weren't put to death, but it doesn't say lead them, it says go up. It's as if they have some kind of incredible ascent. Uh, here's where Lebe says what I mentioned, Torah 23, Lebe says, according to Pshat, it's not such a question. But there's a Pesach in Amos, it says, I only know you, B'nai Yisrael, and that's why I, I, I come to take accounting for any sin you do. In other words, the, the closeness the closeness makes us more susceptible to, makes us more accountable. That's always been the case. But still in all, how, how does this work with the Eid of Rav? says the Rav like this. A revolutionary. First of all, let's take a look at what Chazal tell us, that the Mishkan is Nitzchi. The Mishkan is eternal. The actual tabernacle that was made by Moshe is eternal. Why? Because whatever Moshe makes is forever. Ah, it was the gold and silver that came from all the Jews. Ah, the, the, the doing of the Mishkan and its vessels was actually made through B'tzal, not Moshe. But the setting up, the erecting of it was done through Moshe. And the explanation of how to do it was made through Moshe. In other words, these are the, the, the moment that Moshe teaches and inspires and creates the, the, the vision how to do it, this becomes the, the deed of Moshe. So how much more so when we're talking about the people that Moshe takes? The people that Moshe Rabbeinu decided to accept upon himself, to take them out of Egypt. And he made them converts. So that becomes, just like we said by, by, by Avraham Abinu, the, the people that he made in Kharan, he's the people that he had converted. So here too, you have a whole group of people, Erev which Moshe Rabbeinu vested in. That brings in order 26, of an Eitzchayim, the book of Darizal, that the Erev are actually the sparks of Moshe. And that's why he's, he works so hard to try and, 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 and move them in the right direction. And it actually says because of them, he dies in the desert. Whatever quotes a Medrash. <coughs> I, I'm not sure. Lahoyer, the Rebbe says, take a look in a Medrash. When, uh, when somebody loses some copper coins and he wants to find them, and nobody's going to go look for copper coins. So you, you go, if you throw in a, a gold coin, you say there's a gold coin last year. 
Then everybody's going to go look, and then already they'll find the copper coins also. So too, the Bnei Yisrael in the desert. They die in the desert. Hashem said, if, if you're not going to be buried here, Meish Rabbeinu, then maybe nobody's going to come get the Jews from the desert. So that's why, put, it, put the gold there. Meish Rabbeinu's there, and Meish does a big sacrifice. He stays there with the people till they're all going to be gathered up and brought with Mashiach to Yishalai, to Eretz Yisrael. So that's similar to what, uh, what we, we, here, the Eitzchayim, they'll be saying that it, that it says that Meish Rabbeinu passed away in the desert because of them, because the Erevra particularly. So, it's an interesting, love. Lahoyer means that take a look in the Medrash, but not necessarily it's the same thing though. It gives us the concept. Ches. So what does this mean? Why, why do these Erevrav somehow, what we said, the Moshe Rabbeinu's investment, so to speak, invested themselves in them, so they go up. Okay, unbelievable. So we explained it technically. <clears throat> what is the Hezbo? What is this really teaching? What, what is the explanation? Ches. The inner explanation of this, we could say... The complete rectification of the sin of the eagle expresses itself dafka in this, that the aid of Rav were not just not destroyed, but they were rectified and they were elevated, as we're going to explain. But first, let's understand what our sages tell us about the Cheta eagle, because there's this huge question. If somebody in my community, that whenever we get to the portion of the eagle, he comes back again and again, he says, it doesn't make sense to me. How could they be at Vitzias Mitzrayim and go out of Egypt and get the Torah and then go and do such a, such a sin? And the Gemara Misach David says, the Jews were not fit to do this sin. And the sin of the eagle shouldn't happen. It couldn't happen. But it was a decree of the king. Why? In order to give a Pischein Pet, to open the mouths, to give an opportunity, to open... Excuse me. To open an opportunity for those that need to do tshuva. In other words, in the simple reading of the Gemara, there's nothing, no greater violation than the eagle and the golden calf, because the intensity of the revelation was such that how could you how could you go and violate that 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 relationship with Hashem? If and if somebody did that, it couldn't be anything. It couldn't be a heinous crime worse than that. And if even from that you can come back, nobody could think. That, his, that there's no way back to God. If you could even come back from the golden calf and Hashem says, I've forgiven, you can come back from anything. So that was the reason it happened, because Hashem wanted to open up a path to Tshuva. So it's known, the beer Pnimi, the inner explanation of this is that it's not just for future generations to tell people, even if they sin, they're going to be able to come back. But this is also from the, from the Jews at that time also were given a new a new uh, ascent, that we're given a new um, opportunity through the sin of the eagle to do tshuva. Tshuva for them too is a great ascent. Because you can't choose tshuva. Remember, somebody says, I'm going to, oh, being about tshuva is so amazing, I'm going to sin and come back and have the mile of tshuva. No, you can't do that. And Hashem doesn't allow you to, to, to do that. I get, uh, only once somebody has fallen through then he can come back and do tshuva. So Hashem has to make, if Hashem wants to give the Bnei Yisrael at that time tshuva, he has, to, he has to make it happen. So he made them fall into the sin of the eagle. Just a little analogy I, I sometimes use. Imagine a kid, he sees that uh, he went shopping and the kid disappeared in the shopping mall. They're calling, they're looking, and he sees the Baruch Haba, he sees the welcome that his parents give the kid when they finally find him. And so when the other kid looking on says, you know what, hey, let me do the same thing. He tries to lose himself in the shopping mall. 
and uh, somebody says, tells the parents, ah, he said he wants to get the same attention as his kid brother yesterday. It's not going to work very well. And they find him, <laughs> there's not going to be that same, what you're going to say. There's going to be a lot of anger. You can't. If somebody got lost and then they find him and there's a lot of love, you can't choose that. So here Hashem literally chose that they, they should fall into sin. However, at the same time, I mean, because to have that, 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 that advantage of tshuva, is, is, is where it says that we're bali tshuva, people that do tshuva stand, even, the regular, even complete tzaddikim can't stand at that level. So in order that the Yidin, that were at Mount Tera, we should be able to have tshuva, I mean, don't forget, they were at Mount Tera. You know what happened to them at Mount Tera? They became fully, um, fully in control of their yetzahara, of their, of their negative inclination. The Rebbe says, um, um, brings from the Rebbe, my of the Rashab, that uh, this is what it means, their Zuhama, their negativity stopped. It means that they started to become fully, fully um, in charge of their own desires, like a Bainani, right? So, in order for them to fall and sin, there had to be a decree of the king, it had to be a heavenly decree that that happened. Somehow Hashem gave power to the Yetzirah to be able to create this diversion, this sin. But what's the purpose of it? The purpose of it is to come to the advantage and the new ascent of Teshuvah. Okay, so let's understand now what's the advantage of Teshuvah? Tess from the advantages of Teshuvah, which a regular tzaddik who works in a, walks in a straight path doesn't have is... Dafka through tshuva, you can refine those sparks of holiness that fell and they are to be found in the three unclean klipais, the three kshalish klipasatmeis, in the three levels of absolute negativity, impurity. In other words, a person who follows the straight path, a tzaddik, he can elevate those sparks of holiness that are to be found in permissible things. That's what he's dealing with. That's what he's, he's engaging with every day. Permissible things, right? Because he's a tzaddik. He's not eating something that's forbidden, for example. However, when it comes to things that are forbidden, what does he have to do with them? He has to reject them. He's not able to make from something that's forbidden something holy. For example, taking a, a, a non-kosher sandwich and getting energy, and doing a mitzvah with it, that doesn't work. That energy is negativity, it's not kosher. But about tshuva, once he does proper tshuva, he comes back to Hashem, what he does is he takes that energy that he had, he takes those sins that he had, those blatant sins that he had, and they become, they become zochis, uh, they become virtue. al explains in Tanya, the process um, which takes place is that when a person does bad so he feels so bad when he once he wakes up and comes to Hashem the, the negativity that he feels because of the negativity he was engaged in makes him so thirsty for Hashem that he comes to such a passion to Hashem he never would have come to that passion if he wouldn't but basically what that means is that the negative energy transforms into positive energy so now he's not, not just is he canceling out the negativity on the contrary he's elevating the negativity a tzaddik doesn't engage with those kind of sparks because he doesn't enter that realm of negativity. 
Yud. The difference in a tzaddik and Tavka, somebody who does tshuva, he elevates the sparks of the three unclean klippas. Is only is it's not just technically because a tzaddik doesn't have any sins, any any intentional sins. But it also has to do with the general distinction between the avodah, the service of Hashem, of tzaddikim, and the one of tshuva. Here's the explanation. When we talk about the achdus, the true oneness of Hashem, so you can't say that there's some place where the oneness of Hashem doesn't reach that level. As the Chazal tell us in the Gemara, when it says, there's nothing but Hashem. And the Gemara deducts, what does it mean? Even witchcraft. Which they put up the impression as if they are denying the godly presence, the, the, the control of Hashem. There too, there's nothing but Hashem. In other words, His presence is there too, and, and they can't stand up against Him. However, there's two ways that this oneness that pervades the depth, even of impure, impurity, there's two ways that it gets expressed. One, first way is that the bad, the negativity, is not a, doesn't stand in opposition to Hashem's oneness. You know why? Because it's not real. It's, it's just something that's, that's created to be a distraction. Its whole purpose is, is to be a distraction. It's, it's not real. And when you push away the negativity, it turns out that, yeah, that's what it's there for, to be pushed away. It's not real. And there's another way that the oneness of Hashem comes even to the lowest levels of negativity. When what's uncovered is that nothing can exist without a spark of holiness. Even negativity, it needs a spark of holiness. Because negativity is not a reality. But when you uncover that the spark of holiness becomes reunited with, with godliness, so even though before that it became so distanced, it's like a spark that comes out of the fire, becomes so distant from the fire, it becomes almost, almost extinguished. But ultimately, the reason and the inner purpose for creation of, net, of bad the reason for bad is its spark of holiness. In other words, the bad, where is its holiness? Its holiness is that it's there for a reason. There's a godly reason for it. So that godly reason itself is the spark of holiness. And what is its purpose? It should become transformed to good and become elevated to holiness. That happens through doing teshuva. Well, if you do teshuva, then the willful sins become like merits. In other words, that spark that was enlivening the negativity once it, it fulfills its purpose it, it, once you uncover it it too rises and generally speaking Yudalif, this is the difference between the Ahtar Hashem the oneness of Hashem the way it is from the perspective of Elikus of godliness and the way it is the oneness of Hashem the way it is expressed and revealed in the world when we look at the oneness of Hashem the way it's expressed in the world in other words that the world the way the world is, is one with Hashem. Since negativity, the way it is in the world, is something, definition of negativity, of bad, is something that's opposing godliness. So the oneness of Hashem that becomes revealed is the revelation through pushing away the negativity. And then it shows that the bad really doesn't have its, a, 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 a true identity, a true existence. However, when you look from Hashem's perspective. So really, the, the reality is, the spark in it is, is, is the intention it was created for. And therefore, in terms of the word of Hashem, 
that enlivens this negativity, what is felt? That the reality of negativity is that through tshuva it becomes elevated to Kedusha. <clears throat> and therefore, I'm a little, I'm a little weak on, on this Yudalaf, I'm sorry. Yud base. And this is the difference between Avedis HaTzadik and Avedis HaTshuva. I think, though, we can still move on and, and get the point in the next if. Avedis of, the Aved of Tzadikim is drawing down Elikus in the world, from above to below. So we're drawing down Elikus in the world. And when it encounters negativity, in other words, when we deal with negativity, what is happening? How does a Tzadik deal with it? They reveal the oneness of Hashem. Right? Because we're drawing down, the Tzadik is drawing down Hashem into the world. So inside the world, once you draw Hashem in the world, and there's Hashem in the world, what you reveal is that the negativity is dissipates. It's, it's, it's nothing. Hashem is real. The negativity is, is pushed away. However, the Baal Tshuva, what is he doing is, he's already, he's in the world, he's not drawing down, but now he's taking the world and he's having a passionate ascent to Hashem. It's elevation. To leave the world, he feels, Ugh, the world is so horrible, I gotta, go to, I gotta get to God. From that, in that sense, so he, what's, what's felt and what's heard is the way things are from the godly perspective. And also, as we said, from the godly perspective, when you think about the negativity, its real intention is, the word of Hashem that's in it is, to become elevated. It's one with Hashem. So, through this we'll understand Yud Gimel. Through this we'll understand what our sages tell us, that the reason for the sin of the eagle came through the fact that the Yidin by Mount Teda saw, they, they had a misunderstanding of what they saw. They saw the face of the bull, which is in the Merkava, in Hashem's chariot. There's a description there, the face of the bull, face of the eagle, face of the, the young child, the face of a grown adult. It's a big question. We said that the sin of the golden calf was a, was a decree from above. However, how could it come from something holy? Something holy, they saw the giving of the Torah, could it descend so, so could it spiral so much out of control? From that they come to making an idolatrous thing? According to this, they will understand. The concept of the Cheta Ego is to bring the Eden to Tshuva. So they will understand that this in itself is part of the process of tshuva. In other words, part of the, the greatness of the giving of the, the, the Matan Torah was the giving of the Torah, and then it was a continuation that would lead to an even greater place, the place of tshuva. So by Matan and that's why they saw what they saw in it was meant to be, because it was meant to bring them to, a, to fall and then to have tshuva. By Matan what was revealed is the achtas of Hashem, the way it is from above. And in order that this oneness of Hashem should come out in a revealed way, also the way it enters the world, till even sorcery, which seems to negate God, there too it's felt that Hashem is one, even, in other words, to the three shalish klipsatmes, the three negative klipes. So that's through the fact that Hashem wanted it to be like that that they should fall. And 
and they should uh, they should sin, then they should do tshuva. So now, where is the expression of this? In other words, at the at the lowest levels of sparks, what seems to be total negativity, can be elevated and refined. That that's what's supposed to happen here, Mante Tshuva. Where do we see this? You it. So the refination, the refining of the sparks in the most depraved negativity, which comes around through the tshuva that's done in the Chet Egel, where did it express itself? The fact that the eight of Rag, the eight of Rav, the mixed multitudes, which served the idol, and they laid, stayed alive. When they did tshuva, that was three clippers coming up. Because the eight of Rav, which they were not just bad, they corrupt and they corrupted others. In other words, they were inciters of others. We know this halacha, that if somebody is insightful, if somebody leads somebody else astray, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't try and see anything favorable about him. Then from the shalish clippers are three, three unholy clippers. Bad, totally bad. There's no good in them. And when they do tshuva, so that's really a, uh, a, 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 a expression of zdeinus naslegizach, is that the intentional sins becomes like, like, like merits. Ishapcha, totally transforming the darkness to light. And that's the inner pirush of what it says, leich go up from this, you and the people which you've taken out of Egypt. The elevation comes from this. In other words, the cheta eagle, the eagle is leading to an elevation. This elevation is, is noticed and is, and is possible in the fact that the Erev Rav is being fixed, being elevated. That Amcha, your people, Mesha, that you took out, negative people, become the people. They have an elevation. Um, Tesvav. You know, the Haftaras are always related to the Pasha. So we find this point also in the Haftarah of Pasha's Kitisa. The story about Elio and Harakarmel. About Elio and Harakarmel. So you remember there's a showdown. Uh, and Asha, uh, Leo tells the, the prophets of the Baal, you bring up a, a, an ox for a sacrifice, and I'll bring a sacrifice. We'll see who Hashem sends a fire for. So it says that that, that ox that was going to be brought up for the Baal, for the idol, sages tell us he didn't want to go. He told Elio, look, this ox that you're going to bring, Elio, is going up to be part of Hashem's uh, plan. And Hashem's name is going to be sanctified on it. And I'm going up to, to be worshipped as an idol, to be sacrificed as an idol, to make my creator upset. So Yo answer the same way the name of Hashem is going to be sanctified through the one that's with me, that's going to be taken as a sacrifice to Hashem. So too Hashem's name will be sanctified through you. Simply it means, the same way the ox of Yo sanctified Hashem's name through the miracle that took place there, which showed in a revealed way the MS, the truth of Elio's prophecy. So also that ox, which was brought up for the Baal, also is going to sanctify the name of Hashem through the fact that <laughs> that uh, nothing doing, ain't curve, ain't there's no voice and there's nobody's answering. They keep screaming, Aneni, Baal, Baal, answer me, answer me, there's nothing. In other words, because when they're bringing up this ox, the, the falseness, the falsehood of the Baal is revealed. But that's not fully understood, says the devil. The Medish says, that Keshem, um, Elio says, the same way the name of Hashem is sanctified through the one that's with me, that same way, Kach, in that same way, the sanctification of Hashem will be through you. 
So that seems to be that the actual kiddush, the actual glorifying and sanctifying of the name of Hashem by both bulls will be identical. The kiddush Hashem through Elio's ox is through the actual ox. The oneness, the truth of Hashem is revealed because in his being offered up, the fire comes down and eats him and everyone sees Hashem is true, which is conversely by, the, by that other ox which is going up for the idol, so the sanctification of Hashem's name comes out in a negative. In other words, the fact that no fire comes to consume it, we see the, the Baal is a farce. So how do you say the same way this, same way that? It's not the same way. Yes, generally there's a sanctification, but not in the same way. So the explanation is like this. Through the Aved of and his activity, that the Yidin should do tshuva, it becomes revealed down below the oneness of Hashem. Hashem really came. And the... Um, it says in R49, you say twice, Hashem O'Elikim, in the, in the Pasuk in Novi, it says twice. Just by the way, you know you're not allowed to say Shema Yisrael twice. Hashem O'Elikim, we say seven times on, uh, on, uh, on, on Yom Kippur. The reason is because it's already said in the Pasuk twice, Hashem O'Elikim, Hashem O'Elikim, that the Jews called out then that, that famous test with the Hashem O'Elikim. So it brings R49, that why is it twice? That saying it twice is, is tshuva. In other words, saying it once would have been, uh, but tshuva is, is even more. So it's twice. Twice that goes on the level, a higher level than regular kedusha. That goes on a higher level of tshuva. So anyway, so that's what's coming out of this, of this, uh, of this ox. The aved of tshuva. The yidna going to do tshuva. So down below, there's a revelation of the oneness of Hashem. The oneness of Hashem, the way it is. From Hashem's perspective. And we said, as we said, since because of this oneness of Hashem, the word of Hashem is going to be standing in a revealed way. In other words, what's going to be revealed is that everything in the world is all for Hashem. So therefore, the same way Hashem's name is going to be sanctified through this one that's with me, says Elio. Same, same way Hashem's name will be sanctified through you. Same achtus, in other words, that's brought out um, through this one, it's going to be brought to the other one. Because through tshuva, what becomes revealed <clears throat> is the pnimius, the inner plan, the inner energy of the ox that went up for the Baal. The way that spark within that ox becomes elevated in Kedusha. So we see the incredible lesson being brought out here that even the Eidavdav, which represented the three clippers, get there, get elevated here. The, which is the full realization of tshuva in the fullest sense of the word. So the whole story of the eagle is all about coming to tshuva. And the best and most effective and most intense expression of that tshuva is actually in the aid of Rav and the fact that Hashem says, you're going to go up from here. So that's the full expression of the tshuva, the way it comes out through the Chada eagle. Now the Rebbe goes into Ahira, Tazayim. From here we have data in practicality. There are some people that they get excited to do only things which are Kedusha. That's where their koch is. That's where their, literally, koch and zach means they, they, they cook. That's where they have their excitement. And he says, with that, that those things, dealing with Kedusha, they sanctify Hashem's name. But keeping somebody from doing an Aveda, God forbid, like the Al-Tarebbe says, in every Aveda... Anytime you do something that's sinful, it's against Hashem's will, and it's like bowing to an Avedizara, to an idol. 
He says, no, 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 I'm not involved in that negative kind of uh, keeping people away from negativity. He says, that's, uh, I don't want to have to deal with figuratively the ox of idolatry. Of that we say the same way, the same way Hashem's name becomes sanctified through the one that's with me. He says, Elio, same way Hashem's name gets sanctified with that which is with you. In other words, the oneness of Hashem becomes revealed. How? When you using the verse of the Pasuk in when you take something beautiful, when you create somebody menschlach, some somebody dear and, 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 and beautiful from from the from the glutton, from somebody who was who was negative because he was a glutton, you make something beautiful out of him. In other words, when you turn around somebody from negativity to positivity, tshuva, ah then this dainus, the willful sins become like merits. And then Hashem's name is sanctified. So why are you keeping away from dealing with people that are still groveling in the in the negativity? And on the contrary, says the Adrava. Elio, who did, which which ox did he take first? First he took the ox of the of the prophets of the Baal. They should say, You guys try and bring up you guys try and bring up the sacrifice. And only after that he brought his ox. In other words, the Avaida be Makadish name Hashem through the ox that went up for the Baal comes before even the sanctification of Hashem's name through the ox that came up with Elio. And so it is also with our Aveda, says the Rebbe. Even with the Aveda of each and every one. Even when the Aveda of Imekarev, a Jew who's far away, is sometimes connected and requires taking off time from learning Teda and from serving Hashem. In other words, not dealing with the ox that's with me, so to speak, with Elio's ox, but dealing with the other ones, we have to know that there has to be the name of heaven become sanctified through also through the work what that is done with the ox that's going up for the Baal. In other words, with the work that's done in bringing close a yid that's very far from each guy. Just like Hashem's name is sanctified through the ox that's with me, says Leo, through your own Teirah In other words, give up your own spirituality as well in order to help somebody else steer away from negativity, from Avedas. And this Aveda, um, <clears throat> this Aveda Kfula, this double Aveda to deal with the oxus with me and to deal with the oxus of the Baal, just like the story of the Torah about Eliyahu Novi, what does it say about Eliyahu Novi? He, that he's the one who announces the Gula. This is going to bring the Gula, Amitus Vashlema, the complete and true redemption of Kadav Mamish. Amen.